another day. All right, let's ride. Blackout, you should be getting this on a Monday morning, Sunday night, or whenever you decided to listen to this. Thank you, I appreciate you for taking out your time to join me. If you've been here before, welcome back. If you're brand new, welcome aboard. We get to crackings from time to time, but I'll be honest, not a lot of people listen to this, so you are in the cool kids club. So, you know, tell the people that you got a secret and then tell them what the secret is so they can be a part of the cool kids club too. It's like a secret handshake. Have you heard this? No, cool, but listen to this. shit that's what you can do for them. But I do want to shout out the listenership on uh, spots I didn't know about. Like I'm, I tell you all the time, well, some of the time, I'm on iTunes, I'm on Spotify, I'm on iHeartRadio, TuneIn, and um, Stitcher, and YouTube as well if I didn't say that. Cool, but I'm also on CastBox, Dash Radio, Podbean, Radio Public, and a few places I was not aware of. So... I'm going to have to get that under wraps and under control. But if you could, please, if you feel so inclined, shoot me an email at noplanishwriter@gmail.com, all lowercase, and let me know where you're listening to this podcast at so I can shout out the listenership and uh, show those that who listen on different platforms that I appreciate them, as well as everybody that listens straight from Libsyn on Google Play, SoundCloud, and iTunes. Let me know where the rest of y'all at, if you could, please. I would really, really appreciate it. I got a few things I want to talk to you guys about. It should be light, nothing. There's a, there's a, a part of it that's that's kind of heavy. It's kind of heavy. Uh, talk to you guys about a documentary I saw, but most of it's pretty light. As you guys know, if you are fans of basketball, NBA free agency started for us on the West Coast at about 3, and, on, and that means on the East Coast started at 6. And shit has been going crazy, but I'm going to get a couple of quick things out the way before I start talking about that. And then I'll, I'll tie it up. Um, I got a lot of shit going on in my personal life. I got a, a move coming up in the not-so-distant future. I got a change at the job that's it's just up in the air. There's a lot of things going left and right and more left than right. And I'm kind of stuck in between two places trying to get it all figured out. So I'll let you guys know about my schedule changes and all that, but... I just want to let you guys know where I'm coming from. I got shit going on. I'm a human like everybody else for those people who listen. And there's a few things I want to talk to you guys about real quick. And one of them being that I know it's probably counterintuitive or counterproductive of me to big up another podcast on here. But I really, really listen to a lot of podcasts. I'm not quite at connoisseur level like I thought I was because there's a lot more I need to listen to. But there's a few that I really, really like and that I'm getting into. And one of them is... uh, actually pretty popular it's called 99% Invisible and I know I've talked about it on here before but there's one episode um, or two episodes really I want to talk to you guys about and there's one on social infrastructure it's uh, it's really good it's called Palace for the People and it talks about how having places like libraries, parks, mainly libraries but libraries, parks and schools as places for people to gather 
and kind of, you know, just intermingle and be together and how the, the effects of people, of communities, having places like this for people to gather at and um, interact and be around each other, how they differ from communities that don't have that. I'm pretty sure that in one part of the podcast they were talking about how there was a, I want to say a heat wave, a heat wave in, in the city. I want to say maybe New York, but a heat wave in a, in a bigger city, and you have two neighborhoods who have the same demographics. There's you know low income, a lot of people of color in these same two neighborhoods, but they're in one neighborhood, they didn't have a library or anything like that or any park or community center or whatever for people to meet and congregate. And the other one, they did. Now, in the place where they didn't have any of that, turns out there's no real sense of community. People don't know each other. So you got a heat wave. You don't really know what's going on as far as elderly people, people who need more help with their health that are going to do worse in that weather. So obviously people who are older and younger are gonna are gonna be the most needy people in that situation. And they had a lot of they had a lot of injuries and a lot of things go wrong with people in those two categories. While meanwhile in the other uh neighborhood the neighboring neighborhood to say in that one you had a sense of community, you had a library or something there where people could interact and actually see each other and be out and about moving around. So people kinda knew who lived in what area or who lived in what apartment, and they were able to go look after those people and help them out because they had a better sense of community. And it really goes into how that can affect um, how economics in the city and everything affect that, and basically how resources are doled out to uh, people in, in neighborhoods and cities depending on finances and demographics. So I thought that one was really cool. And there's also another episode about how sounds that we hear in the city on a day-to-day basis, especially like a bigger city that's, you know, it's got a lot of industry going on, industrial areas and shit like that, how these um, noises, whether it be from a train or planes flying over, how you don't even realize that the noise that you're constantly combating with and dealing with is having a negative effect on your health by elevating your stress levels. And it's something you don't even think about but it has a negative effect on your health. So, again, the podcast is called 99% Invisible. There's a lot of information in there you wouldn't normally hear about, hence the name, I'm guessing. But I think it's um, it's almost like watching the Science Channel. Like, sometimes in my household, I've gone away from just looking at r- ridiculous shit on TV. I try to have the default channel in the house be the Science Channel. So, if we go home and cut on the TV, we're immediately learning something new. It's just something I try to implement mostly because of my daughter's interest but just to try to get it off okay let's get it off cartoons for a little bit let's kind of move away from just throwing it on news not everybody wants to hear that at least if we see something on the science channel a lot of the time it's brand new to everybody so that means everybody in the household is learning something all at one time so i would say try that if you get the chance to it's just something i've been doing a little bit to to kind of change things up in the household and um speaking of watching new things today i woke up and i flipped on hbo vice the science channel and i saw something that said true justice brian stevenson's fight for equality so what this was is a documentary that um it featured a lawyer a defense lawyer from i'm not 100 percent sure if he's from alabama 
But I know he was out of Montgomery, Alabama doing his work. And he he's got had a long, long career. He's a black dude, and of course his name is Brian Stevenson. And a lot of the times the work he was doing was to make sure or ensure that people who had been sentenced were getting proper sentences as far as the death penalty because what he was finding was that blacks were 11 times more likely to be sentenced to death if they killed somebody white versus black. And the documentary goes all through unfair sentencing practices that go against black male or black people in general. And I think it is, it's really good. It goes really in depth and even goes to these um these uh, museums they have that kind of highlight the progression from slavery to mass incarceration. And it it tells how one led basically led to the other. So once you get once you get slavery, you, that's on lock for a little bit. Then you get the Civil War. Then you get the era where the, the slaves were freed in the South and the Reconstruction era fails in the South. So now they criminalize things that black people do. Like, oh, there's a few of you out at night, whatever. Boom, you go to jail for this. Okay, you did this. You, you were in an interracial relationship. Okay, boom, you go to jail for that. And just making petty little shit that other people wouldn't be arrested for making it criminal for it to be done and enforcing the laws on black people, thereby binding them to servitude in jail. And the thinking behind that is this is the lead up to the mass incarceration. If you look at how things are now, our prison doesn't reform people. It locks you away from society, and then when you come back out, it makes it harder for you to conform to the societal standards that we have out here now. Because if you go to jail for something and you get a felony, well, the felony is on your record. So even if your felony had something to do with, like, say you get a felony for whatever. Like, I ain't gonna, say you get a felony for assault, right? You got an assault felony and you're trying to go work somewhere and push paper. It's not like you went to jail for fraud. You went to jail because, well, maybe you, your temper got out of control and you got into it with somebody. You beat somebody to fuck up. Okay, you go to jail for a little bit. You know what I mean? Maybe you were trafficking drugs. But instead of, but that has nothing to do with your ability to sit at a computer and work. And these, this, these type of things lead people back to doing the same thing. And I don't know if I talked about it here, but somebody hit me to the game about how you create neural pathways to your brain when you, every time you do something, and the more you do it, it the easier it gets for that, for that thought to get to work around in your brain and easier it is for you to do whether it's positive or negative, that it makes that behavior more, more accessible, more easier for you to process, easier for you to rationalize. So if you rob a bank and you're successful, guess what? That sends a message to your brain like, you know what? I can do this again. I can definitely do this again. And if you're somebody coming out of prison and maybe you went in there young and you don't know no better at the time that you, that you uh, committed this crime, you go in, you've been around nothing but criminals, you get out on the on the outside, and you got a felony on your record, and now you can't get you can really you really can't get a job in order to sustain yourself. It's going to generate enough income. It makes it easier for guys to not stick it out 
and go back to doing things that were illegal because that's what they know. It's comfortable for them. It's easy. You know, everybody likes easy and comfortable. Everybody wants things to be that way. And unfortunately in life, things ain't always that way, especially when you're trying to go out and get things you want. It's not always going to be comfortable and easy for you to go get them. So a lot of times people settle. And what this documentary does is go back to the root. And there's a few people in there that he profiled and kind of showed how he was trying to get them out of jail for crimes they didn't commit but because people were lazy and they want to uphold this racial bias towards people a couple of guys got sentenced to death for a crime that they didn't even do he did manage to get off a gentleman by the name of ray hinton who did 30 years in prison for a crime he didn't commit and it was to the point where mr hinton was talking and saying that one of the people involved in his sentence if they could have took an hour to look at his stuff, they would have seen that it was all jacked up. And they didn't want to do it. They decided that his life was not worth an hour of their time. And they let him sit in jail. History tells us in situations like this. I'll say history in Hollywood, because that's who really highlights it. History in Hollywood would tell us that in a situation like this, if you've got a high-profile case, the department and the city do not want to be embarrassed, even the state, for putting the wrong person in jail. Because that will call into account their integrity. And you got to think that even if there's nothing to the cop that works there, and, oh, your police department ain't shit, he's like, okay, well, whatever. If that's the case, and we know most people want to have pride in where they work, so they don't, want, they don't want their profession to be looked at as something that lacks integrity, especially when you're providing a service and you're protecting the people, and there's like a code and conduct, and you're supposed to have a, you're expected to have a certain level of honor by the community and uphold. Nobody wants to be in that occupation and know the community thinks they ain't shit, right? To add to that, think about the people who are trying to progress up the ladder and get promoted, and once you get to a certain spot, a lot of what you can do is leverage on what somebody else can do. So, if the mayor is getting pressure because the crime is fucked up, well, the chief of police or the commissioner is going to get fucked up because now this is directly going to bounce back to the mayor, so the mayor is going to push that shit right back downhill and blame whoever else. I learned a lot from watching The Wire, and that's why it's a history in Hollywood because all that shit's tied in. People would do certain things to manipulate, and like I say in marketing, the appearance of, to manipulate a situation to look like it's being handled and nobody wants to be seen in a bad light because when you're in a position like that where you're high profile you're really your own business because you can only benefit financially from the service you provide based on your resume and if your resume as a city official a politician or a high-level police officer is all jacked up the chances of you get promoted or voted into whatever office or being respected by your peers is going to be low because at that point, as an entity, as a person, you have to make yourself marketable. You are your own CEO in a sense. And if you don't make yourself marketable, marketable for a position, then you won't get it based on your resume and your track record. So a lot of things go into effect when it comes to high-level crimes and overturning police conviction. Because that, that sheds a light on the, um, the court system. Uh, the police department, and everybody else in the city. So that's why I believe it's hard for people 
to get out of jail once they've been put in because especially if they've been put in there wrong because you're going to have to dig through a lot of lies to get to the truth because we all know at a place of work there's usually a code it's an unspoken code like hey you look out for one another so sometimes in situations like that people are like hey listen i'm about to make this move i need you to roll with me on this and some people say you know what hey i got you and then one lie leads to another it's like a link in the chain and in order to get these things reversed, you got to go and break all those links in the chain to actually get to the truth. So I think this documentary is a, is a great look at history and how the criminal justice system has failed a lot of people and how um, this man and his team went about going to fix and to continue to fix uh, these issues that happened while giving us a good a bit of background on him and the history and showing how he's developed over the years. So I would definitely check it out. It's called, um, I got his name wrong already. Man, it's called um, True Justice, Brian Stevenson's Fight for Equality. I highly recommend you check this out. It's long, like 100-something minutes long, so I wouldn't eat a big meal before you watch it or break it up. You should be able to find us on HBO, HBO Go. Maybe he has a website where the documentary is. But definitely check it out if you're interested in learning about corrupt, uh, the corrupt criminal justice system and what this man has done throughout history to try to, to get things changed. But check it out. I think it's, it's, very, it's very, very much in the realm of infotainment if you're a documentary nerd like me. Moving on to the, to the good stuff. But first, there is a, a video on Twitter. Uh, <laughs> it's fucked up, actually. But they have Ivanka Trump, and she's trying to get into a conversation with a, a bunch of <laughs> with a with a few world leaders, I believe the um, the Prime Minister um, of President of Canada, France, Theresa May from the UK. Um, I'm, there's somebody else that are having a conversation at whatever event they're at, and Ivanka Trump's. On the out, kind of on the outside of that, and she's, you know, trying to get into the conversation, and she, they're like, they're looking at her like, yeah, all right, cool, we see you here, but we don't really acknowledge you. In a, in a way, <laughs> for a second, like I, I, I kind of felt bad for her in that situation, but then I remember she's rich and who her father is and how much I feel a certain way about that individual. But it was funny just to see because it looked like. In that moment, it looked like she was saying, hey, I have some sense. I'm not a reflection of that individual. Let me in. Let me in. I'm trying to, I want to be in or part of this conversation. I want you to look at me as much more than what you think I am. And they were like, no. <laughs> they were like, no. They kind of they kind of just gave her a little, a little look like, yeah, we see you. We, we see that you're talking, but we're not paying attention to the words. Stay over there, stay in your place. And, you know, of course, she's way younger than these people. And, you know, given who she's connected to, it they probably don't want to deal with her, given the actions of her um, parental unit. But it was just funny to see. So if you ever get a chance to check it out, it's on Twitter around somewhere. You'll enjoy it. All right. So now, NBA Free Agency. NBA free agency. You know what? I'm going 
I'm gonna let Stephen A. give you all this real quick. Somehow, some way, I'm just trying to just hold it together, you know. Lifelong Nick fan. Years of mediocrity. I thought this was gonna be it. At least weeks ago. And then you know when I was doing first tape. And we were in Oakland, and I got word about Kyrie in Brooklyn. Realizing that that meant KD in Brooklyn. Realizing that the New York Knicks were going to go without anything. $70 million in cap space. Porzingis gone. Porzingis can't be gone. And we don't get KD, and we don't get Durant, and Kyrie, rather. No way. This can't happen. This can't happen. But it happened. The New York Knicks. With KD on the market, Kyrie on the market, Clay. Somebody to come to Madison Square Garden. But because Brooklyn's got Sean Marks and because Brooklyn's got Kenny Atkinson and because Brooklyn has Live Nation and they're Brooklyn. In three years, the Brooklyn Nets have accomplished what we've been waiting for the New York Knicks to pull off for a half century. And more specifically, in 20 years, in the last 20 years, this is what they pulled off. This is what they pulled off. I know the Knicks are going to go out and get somebody maybe like a Julius Randle. But how am I supposed to feel right now? I'm going to try to get it together. My first take tomorrow. I can't promise y'all what I'm going to do. I can't promise what I'm going to say. See y'all in the morning. Peace. All right. That was uh, Stephen A. Smith from ESPN with his, um, <laughs> with his, I guess, his uh, reaction to KD going to the Brooklyn Nets along with Kyrie Irving. And I had it wrong. Like, I'm thinking KD's going to stay in Golden State because, hey, listen, you got a year to heal. You know what you're coming back to for the most part. I expect Clay to resign. You got another one of the best shooters ever in Steph Curry there healthy. Hopefully they can get DeMarcus Cousins for them for their sake to stay there. And cool. <laughs> you you got a squad. You got a year to chill while they while they carry the load, and you come right back into the fold, and you can get back into championship mode. But then again, there's something I didn't look at. Maybe because of his injury and things that were said to be happening in the locker room as far as people not 
giving him the real deal on what his injury was, teammates and coaches and staff, I guess, asking him why he wasn't playing. Maybe that got to him. Maybe that got to him. Because my thing was like, if he leaves, I was I was thinking in the foolish manner because I was being selfish. Because I like to see teams stick together, but at the same time, I like to see the players maximize their opportunity in the NBA. And that's why I hope players never listen to fans because we don't know what it's like to be in their in their foot in their shoes. That's why I say footsteps. We don't know what it's like to be in their shoes. We don't. Well, you you get moved around, you get one injury, it's over, you don't have a say-so, you only got so much leverage depending on your talent, and after maybe 10 years, the league is done with you. We don't know what it's like. So for a player to get the opportunity to play where they want to play, in the arena they want to play in, with the people they want to play, it, play with, hey, man, you got to kind of take that. Now, as much as I like to see shit like Dame Lillard, who got a, a four-year extension, for $196 million, I love to see that he's saying, you know what, for me, I'm with this team. I want to commit to this team and stay here and bring the championship here. I love that shit. That's old school. That's dope. He feels like the team that took a chance on him is the one, is the one he wants to bring a ring to. I can really respect that. Go ahead. Do your thing, player. I hope you get that one day. I can really, I can really dig it. I can get it. But I would also understand if he dipped as much as I, I wouldn't like to see him leave because of my selfishness as a fan, which is to be expected. But with this KD thing, it just kind of it threw me off 100%. I did not expect him to leave, but if the situation is what the situation was said to be with his interactions behind the scenes with people, it will make sense, man. I risked my – y'all told me I was good to go. I shouldn't hurt it anymore and I go out here and I rupture it, that's me listening to y'all. That's me doing what y'all wanted me to do. And then here I am. So I think for him, hey, man, if that's the move you got to make, you got Kyrie Irving and DeAndre Jordan coming in and Garrett Temple coming in, a good group of role players there and, and what could be future stars there to hold it down. Hey, if you want to be on the East Coast, bro, do your thing. Do your thing. Because at the end of the day, when it comes up to the West Coast, I'm a Laker fan. Now, while I don't really like what's happening to my team, as far as them being gutted and made to just seem like a like a destination, I don't know, man. It's almost like... <laughs> I don't know. It's almost... Uh, it almost makes the Lakers look promiscuous. I don't. I don't know the right way to to define this, but it just it looks like they're going after a cheap win. I, I can't really explain it. And I understand like people could say, well, well, you think that's cheap, but what about KD joining Golden State? I'm like, that's true. He joined as a free agent. They had a team in place, but you know they recruited them. Most of their team they built through the draft. The Lakers are doing a whole different thing. They're gutting their own roster. And sending them out to some to wherever to New Orleans to bring one guy in and giving up future roster picks for one guy. And now they're trying to get somebody else to sign there long term. And I'm just thinking, well, if I'm a star, 
and not decide I want to go somewhere long term? Do I want to go somewhere where, like KD said earlier this year, where LeBron's going to get all the credit if he wins? To no fault of his own, he's just great. He's just generational talent. Of course, him being there, he's going to get a lot of respect, especially when he puts up the numbers he does. Do I go there knowing that if we win, he gets the credit. If we lose, I get the blame. At least that's how it's been the last three, four years or whatever. If I'm a star, I can see not going there. And I just got another alert. Um, somebody else will not be going there. Jimmy Butler and the Heat are apparently finalizing a signing trade with Philadelphia. So somebody from Miami should be going to Philly here soon. I can respect that. It, it, that that to me makes sense. They got a few things in place, but like, why not go be in South Beach? I, I don't get. It. I know it's hurricanes and it's humid, but you play inside, baby. Your money's gonna go further in Florida. There's no income tax. Come on, come on, man. I don't understand why more people aren't going down there. Even uh, the center from Orlando was staying there. Vujovic is staying in Orlando. Got an extension, hundred million dollars. They signed back Terrence Ross in Orlando too. He's getting like 40 to 50 million to stay there. They got two young, what we hope to be young studs, and um, Mo Bamba, the center, and Jonathan Isaac, the power forward out of Florida State. We hope to see those guys develop well, but now they got time to cook. Orlando is basically keeping their team the same. They just added one more dude, Aminu, who unfortunately for Portland left there to go to Orlando. But they're adding more to the squad to go along with Aaron Gordon. Now, I don't know how they're going to make all these pieces fit, but they're doing things as far as securing their star and bringing in good, solid, defensive veteran talent in uh, Aminu. And Terrence Ross apparently off the bench for them was great last year. So, I mean, good look for them. But it, when you see it done that way, as a guy who grew up in the 90s with the dynasties and things that were built through the draft, that's something I can appreciate. Now, I'm not saying this is the only way to do it, but the teams that are built like that seem to last longer. If you look at those um, Utah teams that had playoff runs, even the Seattle teams that had playoff runs, the, um, the Dallas teams, the Houston teams, the San Antonio teams, the Chicago teams, um, who else? There's somebody else I'm not thinking about. Golden State. Those teams all really built through the draft. And those teams tend to stay together longer. They build bonds and guys want to play with guys. People are setting their roles and know what to do. There's a culture there. People want to stay in that environment. But right now, that's not the wave, so to speak, of the league. Even Toronto, I forgot one. And now you got Al Hortford going to the 76ers. That's weird. Oh, I guess that would be good for um, – Joel and B, give him a good mentor down there. But um, those teams seem to stay together longer now. You know, with uh, the movement of LeBron, in order for him to compete with with the Boston Celtics, when he made that move to Miami, and people didn't think it would work. I I think that's why it was such a big deal. Nobody thought it would work. It was like they don't have a bench. There's not enough guys there. They underestimated the, They underestimated. It the ability 
of guys to come down there and take salary cuts to play with D-Wade, Chris Bosh, and LeBron. It's different now. Like, that would have been to give me, you know, then the LeBron and AD situation in L.A. But now you got guys like Kawhi. People want to play with Kawhi. Watching him do what he did, I would want to play with Kawhi. I would want to play with Giannis. You know what I mean? And people are watching the teams on the East are building very, very good teams. If you look at what's going on in Indiana, they're building a very good team. They just lost um, Bogdanovich, but they got Jeremy Lamb. They just got Malcolm Brogdon. Oladipo will hopefully hopefully be back soon. They still have some bonus. So the East, they're building depth. Right now, they're building depth right now. As far as what you see in Orlando, I don't know what they got going on in Miami, but what you see in Philly, you see in Boston, all the guys they got. Kimball Walker's going to Boston. So they're, they're trying to build depth. In the, on the East, if it does not involve LeBron really trying to put together a team of stars, has not worked. There's one franchise that tried to do it, and that's who Stephen A. Smith was talking about, New York. The Knicks in fucking Madison Square Garden, the Mecca, where other players love to go put up big numbers, and they can't attract nobody there. The ownership's fucked up. That's what it is, and that may be the situation with the Chicago Bulls. Now, I know they wanted they wanted Carmelo Anthony to go there at the time. If you look at the free agents, like that was a destination. You had good players. You had pre-injury Derrick Rose there. But Carmelo ducked the smoke, went to New York, and you see how his career turned out. He got to play with an over-the-hill, broken-down Amari Stoudemire when he got paid way too much and they couldn't afford to put anybody else behind him. And then you got Carmelo came out there and the games didn't match. Then they get rid of Kristaps Porzingis and get Dennis Smith Jr., who they could have drafted, but instead they trade somebody to make roster space and cap space to sign these big free agents like Stephen A. said, and they still can't get it done. Jim Bowler didn't want to give KD the max. And I realize that's a lot of money, but when you think about the money, the amount of money that KD jersey sales is going to generate for the New York Knicks, you paying him the max, you know what I mean? Even if he comes back in a year without being the same, he's still top 25 in the league most likely. He's still going to help out with attendance. That's still fucking KD. That's still KD. He's still going to help you pack the houses of uh, the house of Madison Square Garden. Now you got to deal with this monster across town in Brooklyn. But they got, not only did they get Kyrie Irving, they got your former center, DeAndre Jordan, and KD's going to be there next year. It's wild. And Charles Barkley was on NBA TV. He said something today that uh, he's glad it happened to teams. The teams that, um, that would tank in order to try to steal. He's, he basically said poach a, uh, a star free agent from somebody else's team. He said he's glad. He said, I'm glad they got their comeuppance. And guys are opting to not go there. Which makes sense because why would I as a superstar, who knows, my window is, is, not, is not that wide. My window was narrow for me to go here and get a ring because Golden State will be back. Houston is still very good. If you look at what Denver's doing, they're doing well, building through the draft, getting in the playoffs. San Antonio will get another guy back. 
you got to give DeMar DeRozan and Marcus Aldridge more time to play to, to play together and for their young guys to come back. They had um, Murray, who was hurt last year, and they had uh, another the guy they drafted, I think, from Miami, who was hurt last year. And they have a, a lot of young players on that team, but now they got playoff experience. You give that time to Cook. Utah just got Mike Conley, or Mark, uh, let me say Marco Rubio. Ricky Rubio is now in Phoenix, which is really just what DeAndre Ayton and uh, Devin Booker need, a pass-first point guard who can play defense, who's going to move the ball. That's exactly what they need in Phoenix. So these other teams are going to get better. So why would I, as a superstar, just decide to go to your team, a team that's losing in order to go there and get the max and not win a championship if I'm really chasing the championship. Because that's what they were asking KD to do. Him going to Brooklyn to me is different because not only is he going there with somebody else, with Kyrie, Brooklyn made the playoffs last year. The meat and potatoes of their team is a team that, that plays hard. A lot of young talent. So all you really got to do is go insert KD and Kyrie into that. And if they can get their games to mesh, People are in the East are in trouble. You're getting two guys that it's very, you got one if he's all the way right and Kevin Durant who's very hard to guard, if not impossible, and then you got a guy in Kyrie who can take you off the bounce or shoot all day long. And you got the winner of the three-point shootout, Joe Harris, out there. You got a young big man in Garrett Island, and you pair that with DeAndre Jordan, you got a real fucking problem in Brooklyn. So it's going to be fun to watch, man. I look forward to seeing this NBA season if I can because I'm supposed to be somewhere else around that time frame. But hopefully I'll be able to watch some of the games and figure something out. But I look forward to seeing it. I look forward to seeing how the former Lakers do in New Orleans. I look forward to seeing how things go in Chicago. My main, main team who just actually signed Thaddeus Young, I think he's – think he's a pretty good player. I don't know exactly where they're going to play him, but he's a really good player. And hopefully he works out for them and they win more games than they won last year. And it get back it gets back to the old school where winning is going to attract talent, not you losing fucking 60 games, 50 games and expecting somebody just to come there and you build around them. No. That 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 to me is trash. But who am I? I'm just a fan. I'm just a fan that don't know shit about the locker rooms and the and you know the, the background behind the scenes stuff that goes on with the game. But I'm ready to watch. And I'm ready to see what happens. And I'm really ready for some goddamn football. But anyway, uh <laughs> I'm moving on. I'm about to go ahead and shut this thing down, man. Also, I was um I was just thinking about something as I was talking to my wife and just a few people throughout the week and I know me myself has tried tried to cover up my accent before or whatever, man. If you got a fucked up accent, man, embrace that shit. It ain't going nowhere. Like me, I kind of messed mine up because I was mimicking people from California, even though I was from the South. So now my accent is kind of chopped in between. I've been in California for a little bit. I've been out here off and on about seven, eight years. And I haven't lived in my hometown of Florida since 2000, what, end of 2009, really? 
So I've been out, I've been out the, the city, out the state really about 10 years. So my accent is slowly going away. But if you have one and it's thick, if you got the Shannon Sharp, where you got the super southern dialect, or if you got the Michael Rappaport or the, the Stephen A. Smith, where you got the, the thick New York accent, if you got a fucked up Boston accent, embrace that shit, man. It's a part of you, man. Embrace it. It's a part of who you are. It kind of tells a little, a little story where you come from, man. So just embrace it, especially if you don't live where your accent is from. If you live somewhere out of state, if you live out the country, whatever, embrace it. Be who you are, man. Change the world. Don't change your accent, damn it. Love who you are. Love those around you. Change the world. Be better tomorrow than you were today. Learn something new every day. Watch the Science Channel. It's good for you. Y'all be easy, be breezy, be cool, be real, be chill. One love, peace.